0: Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Academia Podcast. I'm Sean O'Laughlin and I have a special guest today. We are speaking with Barbara Ruse, who is a registered dietitian and the owner of Marketrd.com. And she came on to talk to us about this concept of food as medicine. And we talk a lot about the nutritional aspects of seafood and just nutrition in general, some of the programs that are available to help people up their nutrition game and just eat healthier and all the benefits that come with that. And she also talked about the work that she does at Superior Fresh and all the great things that they're doing down in Wisconsin. It's just a really great conversation and I know you're going to enjoy it, but before you get to hear it, I'm going to remind you to please make sure you are subscribed to Aquademia wherever you listen so you can get every new episode directly downloaded onto your device as soon as it becomes available. If you want to contact us, you can email us, podcast at globalseafood.org you can fill out the contact form at globalseafood.org podcast or you can reach out to us on Twitter we are at AquademiaPod and lastly if you haven't yet please take a couple minutes to leave us a rating and review wherever you listen it really helps us out and we appreciate everybody that's already done that so with that enjoy this conversation I had with Barbara and I'll talk to you at the end So we're sitting down with Barbara Ruse today, who is a registered dietitian and the owner of MarketRD.com. How's it going, Barbara? Thanks for joining us.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Barbara reached out to us because she is involved in the seafood industry, mostly on the aquaculture side. And we're going to talk about some of the cool stuff that she's done with folks like Superior Fresh. But before we get into that, we're going to talk about something that she has been involved in regarding food as medicine. And she's going to talk about what that means in a minute. But before we do that, Barbara, I want to talk about you. Where did you come from? Who are you? How did uh, you get to where you are? Give us your story.
1: Well, that's easy talking about myself. <laughs> yeah.
0: You, you know you better than anyone else. So,
1: yeah. Uh, so, okay, how to keep this short. So, um, originally from New York, if you couldn't tell by my accent, I <laughs> <laughs> uh, grew up on Long Island on the coast and uh, went to school in New York and uh, graduate school in Boston. Worked for USDA child nutrition programs, public health in the beginning of my career. Moved over to Harvard University as a sports nutritionist, worked in private practice, but had this odd obsession ever since I was a kid actually with supermarkets. Like you do. Uh, Loved going to the grocery store, although my mom despised it. But um, And so when I was working with clients um, in the Harvard community, as well as my private practice, I would always schedule an appointment to meet them in the supermarket. Because I think the supermarket is a great place to educate people about food, where they're where they're buying it. That led to an opportunity, uh, and in 2008, I moved out to Arizona to work for a small, not really small, the, the retailer in Arizona um, with 130 stores, and that was really a crash course into the behind the scenes of how food gets from farm to the supermarket shelves and. That whole—it's fascinating. It's—it's it's a. I've been in retail now since 2008.
0: Yeah, we actually have a really interesting episode, kind of a lot about that. We interviewed Bob Cerullo from Wakefern, uh,
1: okay. and he talked
0: about how basically how purchasing works, how sourcing seafood works uh, on the retail side, and it was super fascinating. So, any listeners interested in that, make sure you check that episode out too. Sorry to interrupt. Go on.
1: Oh, I haven't. I missed that one. I'm going to have to listen to it.
0: That's a good. Um, one.
1: <laughs> so, so working as a dietitian. Um, for a retailer was interesting because I worked with category managers and and the distribution process and and the whole spectrum of of how food actually gets onto the shelves but then also how from a public health perspective how people make decisions when they're in the actual grocery store and really I was hired to uh, help people make healthier choices. The retailer was heavily invested, in, and now it's more—it's more common. Uh, lots of retailers have dietitians, uh, and they've—they've they've existed even before I was doing it. But it is a it, there's a lot of dietitians behind the scenes, and even in the in the aisles. And in fact, Wakefern is is a star player in that realm. So worked for the retailer, and then they went through bankruptcy, had some issues, left, and in 2000. 13, um, went to work for myself. Actually, I was opening another private practice out here and then very quickly got offered a job to work with um, avocados from Mexico and uh, have been working with them ever since. I still currently work with them. And that's really been a wonderful way to sort of parallel my career in working with the seafood industry, another good fat um, food. But the story of avocados is really a good one. A, a lot of people in real retail are familiar, but uh, consumption has gone up about 300% in about a, the course of about 20 years. Um, of course, I've only been working with them for less, uh, almost a decade now, but um, from a health perspective and marketing, it's very parallel. Um, although there's there are multiple varieties of avocados, but in seafood, I've been working predominantly with salmon and salmon Mm -hmm. is a high fat, um, a fatty fish, um, good, good fatty fish. And so, um, I got interested in working with them, uh, working in retail, you get opportunities to tour farms and, uh, production facilities often. I, Mm -hmm. that's one of my favorite parts of the job and still today as a consultant and a writer, um, I, I, still get invited to do those tours. And I was invited by the Norwegians to come and visit their operations. So flew to Norway, visited multiple different cities uh, from their uh, hatchery to uh, where they actually raise the fish out in the ocean, in the fjords. And that really got me very excited about sustainability and how we really need to be stewards of the earth. And voila, fast forward, (laughs) working as a consultant, I'm always pitching my services. I have a particular niche in working with dietitians that work for supermarkets. I have worked, I started a conference uh, with a nonprofit in Boston about um, 11 or 12 years ago. We hosted eight conferences, eight consecutive years in a row, and invited dietitians from supermarket chains Uh, 50 of the leading supermarket dietitians from across the globe to attend this event, all expenses paid. Um, And so that has made me uh, sort of an expert in the realm of retail dietitians and supermarket dietitians who has them, where they're located, how they function, uh, because they all operate slightly differently. Um, So if you're talking about Wegmans versus ShopRite versus Safeway or Albertsons or H-E-B, they, they have dietitians, um, but they, they function in different, compa- different capacities. And so if you want to know, or you're, a, you're a, a vendor or a brand and you're trying to market a healthy product, I'm somebody that can help you do that. And that's what led me to Superior Fresh. In fact, they didn't approach me. I was so fascinated with their story and what they were doing that I stalked them for a couple of years. <laughs> Sometimes and, uh, <laughs> that's what you got to do, you know? <laughs> and uh, voila, I've been consulting with them now since May. So, um, and we can get into that. I'm sure you'll you'll have questions yeah, we'll, about them.
0: We'll definitely get into that. I, I wanted to talk about a couple of things that you just, that just came up though. I think it's super fascinating. The whole idea of retailers having dietitians. I don't think a lot of our listeners will actually, would actually know that that was, I didn't know that that was, a thing until i i spoke with you for this recording how and and you're definitely the person to ask how how does that work is this person there as a resource for the shoppers or for the buyers in the retail or both how does how does it work if people want to gain access to the dietitian at their local grocery store how could they go about doing that what resources are available to them
1: yeah all all of the above to your guesses um Nowadays, we're a lot more suspicious of why why people do things or why businesses do things, but really from the early beginnings of retailers hiring dietitians, they were predominantly hired in the capacity to work in consumer affairs. So to answer questions about product formulations or health, not so much health back way back when, but part of that. Uh, and then it evolved more more recently, into more of a business function, so uh, supporting category management and buyers and making decisions, um, now, more than ever, consumers are very interested in health and wellness. So um, you know, retailers use, use dietitians in different ways. In fact, you'd be surprised to know that most major brands of foods, from Kellogg's to General Mills all the way to um, some smaller niche brands, have dietitians that work for these brands, you know, it was smaller regional retailers that hired dietitians initially to be sort of a competitive advantage, because if you can't win on price alone, what else can you do? And so hiring a dietitian to educate somebody about how to make healthy choices. And I had told you a short little story about uh, you know, a lot of times a person gets diagnosed with elevated cholesterol or they have had a heart attack or they're diagnosed with prediabetes or any type of health condition, gluten intolerance, a food allergy, a pregnancy. There's a million things. People have mm-hmm. questions about how to, you know, that sparks the interest in health and wellness or nutrition. And what better way than you can walk into the aisles of your supermarket while you're shopping and you have a dietitian helping you make those choices? So depending on the retailer, uh, we mentioned Wakeford and ShopRite, um, ShopRite has dietitians that function at the store level. So they offer classes, individual counseling, uh, online recipe classes, um, all the way to a model like HEB down in Texas that. They're really a medical model where you can't get in to see your, you know, a dietitian at your health plan. HEB offers dietitians throughout the state of Texas that you can make an appointment with them virtually or in person. I don't know if they're back in person yet. I think so, but I'm not positive. Um, Where you can have a, you're having a medical visit with a dietitian there. They can bill your health insurance. Um, So it's just like you would go to a dietitian at a clinic or a hospital or healthcare organization, but you're you're seeing this person within uh, the supermarket.
0: That is so cool. I just I just feel like a lot of people wouldn't have known that that resource is there, so I think it's important for us to discuss that a little bit.
1: So there's a lot more concentration of dietitians. This wasn't your 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 answer, but this happens to me all the time where I lose my train of thought. But this is interesting for people to know. You're in the New England area. I'm out in the Southwest. There is a larger concentration of dietitians in stores or working for supermarkets in the northeast. So yep. stop and shop, Hannaford, Wegmans, um Giant Food, ShopRite, um and some of the smaller the smaller guys as well, but um yeah, registered dietitians are they, they're there uh if you look for them. So
0: Yeah, that's that's pretty awesome. Um, And then the other thing that you mentioned that I wanted to ask you about was you mentioned tours, touring, uh, having a lot of opportunities as a registered dietitian to tour different farming facilities, terrestrial, aqua farms, all these different food production places. And I know that as a registered dietitian to maintain that registration, you need to have continuing education and different experiences and stuff. Are these tours considered part of that continuing education? Can you count them towards some of that to to maintain your... uh, Status as a registered dietitian.
1: Well, if it's planned by a dietitian, then for sure, or an accrediting accredited organization that can offer continuing education. Okay, uh, I learned this very early on in starting to host conferences that mm-hmm. uh, the nonprofit I was affiliated didn't have a dietitian on full time on staff. Actually, maybe they did, but um, to offer accredited. Uh, programs. So, so like with Superior Fresh, when I planned and hosted the tour for them, mm-hmm. I had to pre-plan uh, it so that it met certain um, learning criteria. That, so dietitians, we have to obtain 75 continuing education hours per five-year um, accreditation or um, cycle of our, our to maintain our credential as a registered dietitian. 75 right. doesn't necessarily sound like a lot but if you're if you have a <laughs> full time job 5 years
0: go by fast yeah
1: yeah that's 75 hours so toward toward i'm sort of at the end of my cycle um at 2023 20, is the end of my 5 year um chunk and uh, if you're taking college classes it's very easy you, those credits immediately transfer um but posting the the tour for superior fresh it's not just, oh, you're going to have people that are coming to your facility for five or six hours, and that's all accreditable. It has to actually match up to some sort of specific code, such as uh, dietitians, we have these, they're called spheres of learning. And um, so sustainability is an area, a newer area, Uh, Mm -hmm. ethics. Um, So I had to really plan the agenda. And the speakers also have to have qualifications to provide that education as well. So uh, I think we I I can't remember off the top of my head, but it was about uh, six or seven hours that we were able to offer to dietitians to come for the day. Uh, But when I went to Norway, I don't think that tour actually was accredited. It was it was a five day, you know, travel across the ocean um, but I didn't care. I didn't need credits to go to Norway. If you want yeah, to invite <laughs> uh, invite me to visit your operation in Alaska or Chile, I'll, I will be there. You don't have to offer me credits. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's but if just you hire me, of about. course,
1: I I will. I can do that for you. Um, but that's a way for the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics to maintain credibility. Uh, they, mm-hmm. nothing of a marketing or promotional nature can be accredited. So it has to gotcha. really be of an educational, from an educational uh, point of view.
0: Interesting. So yeah, we'll we'll talk a little bit more about the tour at Superior Fresh. And if anyone else that's out here listening has a facility that they'd like to do something like this, I'll make sure that they get your contact information about that as well. But I want to go into the one of the topics of the day, which we, we settled on many, but one um, that I think... Our listeners would find fascinating. I find fascinating. I didn't understand it at first until we spoke last. Uh, but and this is the whole concept of food as medicine. Can you talk about that initiative, please?
1: Yeah, I mean it's it's really interesting. My twenty year career as a dietitian. I went into nutrition and dietetics because I saw a very specific value in changing how I ate. I was a tennis player, and once I stopped eating cookies and milk for breakfast for twenty years, and uh, started eating. Um, more nutritious things, nothing against cookies. I still eat cookies, but um, you know, I saw a direct impact on my performance. And so as an undergraduate, I went to Cornell, which is a very agriculture friendly, heavy school. Um, and they have a great dining program, by the way, as well. Um, I really got interested in the connection between how you're eating and 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 better, better living for me, it was performance on a tennis court, but of course, it translates in lots of different ways. Right. So food as medicine is a very simple idea that what you eat affects your health. Um, and it actually is a form of really the best medicine we We lose sight of that because we have so many choices and and some people actually don't have the economic means to make really. Uh, the best choices. I mean, maybe they don't have the knowledge of how to make good choices because because healthy food does not necessarily have to cost a lot of money. So, but in I a lot mean, of I, cases,
0: it definitely seems that way, right? It seems that
1: way, yeah. but I think a lot of that boils down to uh, convenience and time, right? So, produce and you know, fresh foods, things that don't have food labels in the Super Bowl. They, things that are not in a package generally uh, are health are the healthiest items in the food in the store that you can buy. And if individuals if we had this culture that was set up around time to prepare meals and enjoy meals that people would eat healthier. But this isn't just a health poor eating habits is not something that is unique to the United States. It is a global phenomenon Um we're just known for it. (laughs) Yeah. And and and, um also when our influence of fast food has sort of globalized, you know, poor eating as well. Um, but getting back to your original question, food is medicine, you know, there's some very simple uh facts to remind people of. Uh less than one in ten Americans eat the recommended amounts of fruits and vegetables, which is which is really not a heck of a lot. It's five cups or more a day. I know that Mm -hmm. sounds like a lot, but it really isn't. Um, I mean, if you made a bag of spinach, it, it boils down <laughs> like, have you ever made spinach? I mean, come on, anybody can eat five <laughs> cups of spinach in a day. But um, so most people are not eating the recommended amounts of produce. And then when it comes to seafood, this is the other reason why I'm just obsessed with seafood. Uh, if you look at uh, these national health surveys of what people consume on average, and, and again, this is, I'm talking about the United States, but it is a global well, let's leave Asia out of the the equation because they eat a, a ton more seafood. But in the United right. States, it's definitely an outlier. Yeah. And in, in other industrialized countries, most people don't consume, uh, you know, two or more servings of seafood a week. And when we're talking about food as medicine, I mean, I think any seafood is going to be a real is trading up your protein for a better protein choice. Uh, for for many reasons, it's lower and you know generally ha- I don't want to go down the lower than fat because salmon is not a low fat fish but protein quality when you're choosing fish over sort of other maybe terrestrial and even some some of the more popular uh, meat analogs or the new plant-based meat analogs If you're choosing seafood, you're getting a much better protein. You're getting things Mm -hmm. such as omega-3 fatty acids, specifically in the fatty fish that you're not going to be able to get in almost any other foods unless you're taking a supplement. But again, when we talk about food, fatty fish, that recommendation to eat two or more servings of fish per week is based on the recommendation to get um, more omega-3s. There isn't a reference dietary intake or a a daily value. It's not listed on a food label like how many omega threes a person needs to have. It's still, you know, like the government. It takes decades to to establish these um, guidelines,
0: but generally, it's
1: based on getting two hundred to two hundred and fifty to five hundred milligrams of omega three fatty acids per day. So that equates to about uh, two to three plus grams a week. Now. If you're not eating any fatty fish, so you're not eating any salmon, halibut, tuna, most people in the United States don't eat mackerel, and shellfish also has some omega-3s in it as well, you're not getting any omega-3s naturally in the diet. It's very hard to get omega-3 fatty acids in in food, uh, unless you're eating seafood. And so people now have deferred more towards taking supplements, but by golly, you're missing out on so many other wonderful things that are also not easy to find such as vitamin D uh which is plentiful in fatty fish and selenium a powerful antioxidant found in marine um animals uh so so really seafood did, the fact that we don't eat enough fresh produce or produce in general canned frozen right, yeah. fresh no not enough produce and we don't eat enough seafood well this is the bandwagon i've been on now for the last decade and um why I'm obsessed with, uh, well, avocados and also working with superior fresh.
0: So regarding the food as medicine, you mentioned some government involvement in that. And I, as we started talking about it, I I said this to you during our last conversation, I kind of pictured it in my mind as like a, like a marketing campaign for the government, right? Something like when they did the, get the, get kids outside campaign, whatever that one was Jump up
1: and go. Yeah.
0: Yeah. All of those. And, or, you know, the Got Milk campaign, just this massive by Big big Dairy, just did the huge campaign. That it, but it, you know, I pictured it in my mind as that, but it, you, you clarified it for me that that's not actually what this is. Can you talk a little bit about how it's being utilized on a, like a sociological level? Yeah. I so,
1: I mean, like again, the concept is very simple. Most people are not eating enough of the things that could save their lives, right? The top mm-hmm. four leading causes of death are very heavily modified or preventable by diet which is shocking to me because if you knew you could just change your diet and eat more fish and eat more produce and you could basically prevent most cancers and eliminate heart disease or reduce heart disease, I mean, there's genetic factors to this stuff. Yeah, right. um, you know, it's a very simple concept, but right. it's not just- It's hard market- to do though. Excuse me?
0: It's a, it's a simple concept, but it's hard to do realistically, yes. right? Yes.
1: Well, yeah. you know, okay, so let's let's get into this into the weeds a little bit. So, um, let's back up a little bit. So, um, about 5 years ago, I'm, I'm always I'm one of these people that can't sit still. So, I always have multiple <laughs> juggling acts of of jobs and things. Not so much because, well, it's great to have more money, but it, I'm also just Really, always want to have some sort of thing that I really feel proud about and good about, and so I started working with a, an organization, a nonprofit that was doing uh, produce prescriptions. Now, that is one of the uh, most basic level, you know, introductions to the food as medicine concept. And basically, how basically how it works is uh, that organizations these nonprofits, uh, were getting grant funding. Uh, to work with healthcare organizations, so like a very simple model is produce prescription nonprofit um, contracts with diabetes providers at say Mass General Hospital, and if you are a SNAP or a WIC participant, you have you meet income guidelines, so it's very easy to screen. If you're if you have a SNAP or WIC card, then you know we know that you're, you're qualifying, go. right. and so if you can uh, prove that. And, and some clinics only service certain areas. So, like, in, you know, certain geographic places, they'll say, okay, well, we're going to offer produce prescriptions at this inner city clinic that's servicing diabetes patients. And the produce prescription is they work with the specific uh, healthcare providers, whether it's dieticians or doctors or nurse practitioners. And when they see a, a client that comes in that has is, is screened for this issue, diabetes, pre diabetes. They can offer them a prescription for six to eight weeks. Generally, they're that length of time that gives that doubles their purchasing power of fresh produce. Actually, it's not always just fresh produce. It, it, it happens to be more likely fresh produce, but sometimes it'll include frozen or, or canned items because generally those can be almost equivocal. It's just mm-hmm. getting more produce into a person's body. We yeah. want the vitamins, the minerals, the antioxidants, all that fiber, all that stuff. And so, uh, that person who gets that produce prescription, uh, usually they also have relationships with designated retailers. So, if you shop at XYZ retailer and you bring this produce prescription, it's going to double your purchasing power. So, of course, you're going to shop at that retailer. What I find yeah. also astonishing is that, in having worked with this nonprofit, that Eighty percent of the participants in these programs leave money on the table. Why? You know, as a dietitian, I'm fascinated. If you had additional money to spend on fresh produce, why would you leave money on the table? There's a multitude of reasons, from maybe not wanting to ask too many questions, like if something qualifies and you're in line and you don't want to hold. There's a lot of reasons. Yeah. But, there's, um, yeah,
0: there's a psychology behind every decision that's made. So
1: yes. So so the produce prescription programs, and now it's a national, like the federal government has grants. Uh, it's actually called the GUSNIP, uh, GUS Schumacher Nutrition Incentive Programs. And if you're a nonprofit organization, you can apply for one of these grants and offer produce prescriptions. It's generally focused around the, the produce prescriptions. The next level of food is medicine. So that's a very simple concept of produce uh, of food is medicine. The Mm -hmm. next level is expanding that. So like meal kits, for example, there are some companies that are now trying to work with large health insurance companies like Blue Cross, Blue Shield, partnering with, I'm making this up, but say Blue Apron or Sun Basket meal Mm -hmm. kit programs. And uh, if you can prove that you have this diagnosis and you're buying, you're subscribing to get these specific meal plans that are for your health condition, that there there's some percentage of them that are reimbursable by your health insurance company. Mm-hmm. The next level is medically tailored meals. Now, I feel like we don't have to overcomplicate it. I think it's great that there all these these things are popping up. It there's a very heavy focus on on produce for a lot of good reasons. I mean, we know that I think it's like over 85% of preventable cancers would be eliminated if people would eat five or more fruits and vegetables, the five cups or more of fruits and vegetables a day. I mean, like, come on, people. <laughs> um, but also, you know, the same thing with eating more seafood. Um, those good fats, uh, those omega-3 fats are associated with heart. There's the most strongest evidence for heart health. So cardiovascular health. So if you have heart disease in your family, or if you've had a heart attack, or you you have that Propensity to have heart disease in your family, by golly, start eating more seafood, fatty fish specifically, so that you can reduce your risk. But we also know that omega 3s are related to uh, lower in inflammation. I mean, that's yep. part of the reason why they're good for, for heart health. But inflammation is, is related to so many other chronic diseases. Uh, we know neurological health, you know, what is 70% of your brain is made up of fat. So it, it it makes sense that if you're not eating enough of those omega fats, those long-chain polyunsaturated fatty acids, omega-3 fatty acids, that you'd have issues with your not neurological health. Pregnant women, you know, you're you're growing a child inside of you and <laughs> neurological development is is affected by your nutrition. Uh we, we know this. Um And
0: that's so hard because I remember like when my wife was pregnant with with our kids it, it was always this like fear of eating seafood like you know maybe you should stay away from some seafood when you're pregnant and all this and like the messages that are coming at you are so mixed during that time you know sean that, that
1: that just gives me chills when i hear that because i have heard that so frequently i know throughout it's everywhere, my career. Isn't it? and it is it is a very sad state of affairs because well i mean the the fish that are not the good fish to eat are not the things people mostly consume. The high metal, you know, predator fish, tile fish, shark, king mackerel. We don't eat those things predominantly in the United States. And we
0: shouldn't. We shouldn't. Those fish need to be out in the ocean.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Let those guys do their thing. Right. Right. But if you look at other populations with lower infant mortality, places like Japan, they consume a heck of a lot more seafood. uh, Oh, yeah. Than the United States, and so you're really doing yourself a disservice and your unborn baby a disservice by by not consuming those um those things you know enough of those foods. And so people will sometimes defer to taking a supplement. Well, you know there is hardly any research, nutrition research out there that shows that a supplement has a stronger effect or a the same effect as choosing the foods. And why is that? I mean, we still have a long way to go in terms of nutrition science. There's lots of things happening in in food from the pH to the water content to all how the vitamins and minerals and um, nutrients all interact. So, you know, eating the actual food is a, a very important thing. And when it comes to I'm not trying to do a, a sales pitch, but I am in a way for Superior Fresh. When you're looking at land-based salmon farming, that is, it's it's in a tank outside of the ocean. It is not exposed to mercury and lead and microplastics and all these things that people are afraid of. Pregnant women, in particular, are afraid of mm-hmm. consuming. So it really is a great option for a whole bunch of people. I mean, everybody, but specific right. um, at risk populations for sure. I sort of right. gotten off the track. So I'll let you. No, oh, no, no, that's really fine. Cause I,
0: cause I interrupted too. I, I interrupted too. I, I brought that up. Cause I just remember that, you know, we have three kids. So we've, we've gone through it multiple times and me working in the seafood industry, I'm always just like, eh, don't believe any of that crap. You need you gotta eat it, you know? And <laughs> yeah. all but, but also it's like, well, you hear it from everyone. So it's like, who do you believe? What's the, be- what's the best option and all that stuff. And I think it's just, you just gotta, you gotta learn you got to educate yourself. The and, you know, someday
1: the FDA will take that limit off seafood consumption. It should just be eat as much seafood as possible while you're pregnant.
0: Yeah, but don't eat sharks. I mean, come on.
1: And don't don't eat sharks. Yeah, <laughs> let's just let's just
0: stay like keep it at that. Keep it simple. Don't eat sharks. <laughs> um. <laughs> <laughs> well, now that we're, we're completely off track, I, I really I, I appreciate you. Explaining kind of the different the different tiers and ideologies behind this, and I really love some of these initiatives that are happening. I am really curious about this. Uh, the second, what's the second one that you were talking about with where like insurance Medically. companies may partner up with some of the the meal prep companies? Yeah, I'm gonna there, have to there's look actually if-
1: there's actually a nonprofit. I know you're in the New England area. I'm still sort of semi obsessed with my New England roots. Uh, there is an organization <laughs> called Community Community Servings in mm-hmm. Jamaica Plain, I believe. And they are one of the first organizations that has been championing medically tailored meals that are reimbursable by health healthcare organizations. It makes sense. I mean, if you're a large healthcare provider, healthcare um, insurance provider, mm-hmm. you would want your uh, population of people that are paying for your insurance to stay healthy. I mean, the cost of a hospitalization and a heart attack is to the tune of $50,000. So, Easy. why wouldn't you offer incentives to your members to incentivize them to stay healthy? So right. you keep want them to paying purchase-
0: you so, and, and not so you don't have to pay.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And I mean, I think it's just, well, more people nowadays are are getting this and i it's a lot of things that are playing into the fact that you know healthcare uh you know or our healthcare um health insurance is expensive for most people if you can afford to have healthcare even if you are using an affordable healthcare plan you know obamacare or, or mm-hmm. whatever you know um one of those types of plans which i am on i'm on one of those um, health health plans um, and it's expensive. And so there are a lot of Americans that simply opt out of health insurance because A, it's expensive. And they just think to themselves, oh, hey, well, I'm pretty healthy anyway, or I'm going to really make an effort to to stay healthy or be healthier. And I'm going to eat really perfectly. And, um, you know, and then reality is it, it's life happens. And, you know, sometimes we we do want a convenient uh choice for a meal and uh and so so yeah so there's a lot of things that are playing into the idea that um health health insurance providers or health plans uh will reimburse for medically tailored meals we're, we're really not there yet i mean it's it's not yeah. a universal thing it's more of a one off like if you have a very progressive health plan and they're really you know, focused on on helping their their members. Then I bet you in New England there's some stuff like that. I haven't seen that.
0: Out well, I was here. saying I'm going to have to look as an MS patient. I'm going to have to look and see if there's anything that I could benefit from because that's pretty yeah. enticing. <laughs> All right. So you work with Superior Fresh. Superior Fresh is a company that raises salmon in RAS systems in an aquaponics system. Yes. Can you talk about? And I don't want it to be just an ad. For Superior Fresh, you know, I think a lot of our listeners will be familiar with them, or at least have heard their name. But I want to talk about just kind of give us a rundown of what they do, and then I'll, I want to talk about the tour that you hosted and uh, how that how that worked as well.
1: Yeah, again, I I have haven't worked for um, a food company that I haven't felt really passionate about. Fortunately, mm-hmm. you know, I I've been working in fresh produce, and and then I chased down Superior. I mean, I I sent the president of spirit fresh, Brandon, um, a bunch of emails. And I mean, I, I know when I finally met him in person, he thought I was a little nuts. Like I'm not working for them purely for the money. I mean, yes, I need to get paid to make a living, mm-hmm. but I pursued them and, and I've reached out to other, uh, seafood companies that I think are doing amazing things. Usually don't even get a response, <laughs> but, um, But I keep sending I keep sending those queries. But so, um, you know, Superior Fresh is unique in that they are the world's largest aquaponics grower out there. And what does that mean? I mean, you have an informed audience that knows this Mm -hmm. stuff, but they're basically raising salmon in tanks on land and at the same time recycling the nutrients that is naturally produced by the salmon to grow leafy greens. Now, if you're immersed in this industry, of course, you know, the, the feed in feed out ratio is a big is a big deal. Mm-hmm. Not only are they producing salmon in a sustainable manner, so they're in these recirculating tanks, they um, recycle the water. I mean, they don't waste hardly anything. And then to grow leafy greens, another fresh food source that the world, the, you know, the Americans are not consuming enough of just is this. Magical, ah, oh, like moment for me, like, oh my gosh, I have to work for these people that are, that are doing these incredible things. <laughs> and to actually go and visit them, I mean, we import 90% of our seafood. Um, you know, the average uh, farmed salmon is, is traveling probably 3,500 3, to 4,000 miles. It's, it's coming either from Europe or it's coming from South America. Air freight not very sustainable, um, still very fresh, but it's got to travel lots of mileage. Um, we, aside from Alaska, which nothing, you know, I love Alaska. I, you know, Alaskan salmon is literally the culture in Alaska. They exist upon these fish, these amazing, Mm -hmm. amazing fish, which I want to see for future generations way past the time I'm gone. I want the salmon to continue swimming in the ocean. So we need to it's, it's an incredible
0: product that comes out of there.
1: Yeah, there's not a domestic within reach source and COVID really exposed supply chain issues. So now you have a USA grown raised salmon source right in the middle of the country, Wisconsin. I mean, I guess it's not technically the middle. It's it is Midwest, but um you know, it's interior. It's an interior. Yeah, city. so they're so they're growing. <laughs> uh, they're raising salmon, and the way that they're doing this is just so. It, I'm so much in awe of the, the concept, conceptualization of this um, idea because it's very forward thinking. Of course, I see it through the lens of food as medicine. Like you're growing leafy greens and salmon, like you're saving the world, but you're also saving the planet. The way that they're doing this and um, to, to go to their operations and to see it and to witness it. Like I knew I had to invite other dietitians and healthcare people and influencers to come and to experience for themselves because it is, it is very unique. Um, and, and then also this, this group of people are, I mean, in general, I think in this industry, people are very passionate about what they do. Uh, and Superior Fresh is, is not any different. They are 1000% committed to being stewards of the earth and also for the fish and the leafy greens. So the, they, they hired um, a chief scientist who actually has a long history in recirculating aquaculture systems. This guy is a RAS nerd. He is like obsessed with doing the right thing. And these salmon are super happy. I mean, I don't know how you quantify happiness in a, a fish, but they're jumping around. They have mm-hmm. to even have these nets so that they jump, don't jump out of the tanks they're, that That mm-hmm. is a sign of like health, I guess. And, um, and, you know, they, they're cleaning the tanks, you know, the water they live in, um, they're not putting any chemical inputs or anything in there to clean, you know, so you have to put feed pellets in to feed the fish, which they feed them organic feed, which that was another topic we talked about beforehand. Um, The supply of organic feed is, is maybe not around. And um, but these fish would qualify as organic. If there was a certification in the United States for organic salmon, it doesn't Mm -hmm. exist, but if you use the, the EU standard for, for organic salmon, these fish would qualify. So they give them a very high quality diet and then the tanks the the recirculating i mean i'm not an engineer but it is like walking into willy wonka's <laughs> factory there um all the pipes and how it feeds into sedimentation oh, yeah. uh filters and um and you know the magic of this which i i learn something every time i go there when the water comes out of the filtration and they pipe it into the uh, the greenhouses because it's a coupled system. Um, you know they're not in the same. The fish are not right, living right, amongst yeah. the greens. There, it's totally right. two different facilities. But the 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 water is in the perfect pH. Now other controlled environmental agricultural agriculture, agriculture um, systems. So like vertical farms that are raising leafy greens, they're popping up all over the country too. Mm-hmm. Um, they work. They spend a lot of time getting the right balance of pH and then also then they can put the nutrients in there to grow the perfect leafy greens. These guys, it comes out of the, you know, it goes through this whole sophisticated system. Again, no chemicals added. They just are using nature and I'm sure it's proprietary, but you could ask me, I wouldn't even know. Um,
0: I think and- a lot of our our listeners are a little bit, they're fairly comfortable with the idea behind RAS systems and kind of how they work. So <laughs> um they, they probably have a they, they can probably exactly you know visualize what you're what you're describing right now, I imagine. So
1: <laughs> But it's so, so don't magical. worry about it. <laughs> yeah, it's so magical that then you walk into another facility that's getting the water from these uh beautiful salmon, and you're it's just this beautiful ecosystem of leafy greens for as far as the eyes can see. And uh, you know, again. I'm a little spoiled as having been a retail dietitian and working in in media that I get invited to visit these farms. And I have visited many of the major uh, leafy green operations that grow mostly in California. So again, that mm-hmm. leads us back to you're, we're growing leafy greens in Wisconsin. Wisconsin is fantastic beautiful in the summertime. <laughs> but in I'm the from the northeast. summertime I know Wisconsin is nowhere to be in the wintertime. Nowhere I want to <laughs> be. <laughs> I can't play tennis uh, 365 in Wisconsin, but um, they're producing leafy greens in January in Wisconsin. I mean, it's bonkers. Um, and so I just, I just love it. Um, and it is the future of food, really. Um, and so I have kind of gotten off on a tangent, but this is what they eventually were crazy enough to hire me, thank thankfully. <laughs> and right off the bat, right when I started, uh in this past spring, they said, We want to get some dietitians here, you know, get a list of people together. And and so uh that's what I did. And you might have a question about that. <laughs>
0: yeah no I just wanted to if you could just kind of give us a rundown of what what the process was for that like what you guys did what what people saw and if there's plans in the future for any more tours like this
1: oh certainly I mean there's so much fun um so again, prior to even creating an invitation list, I had to think about how this would match up with learning standards mm-hmm. knowing that you know there's like a hundred there's 100,000 dietitians in the United States. Um, Certainly, we don't have the capacity to fly in that many dietitians. But um, so, so I started thinking about what are the things that I really want dietitians to learn when they're coming. This was, you know, food is medicine was just on the top of my mind. Of course, now it's blown up with the White House having their, you know, nutrition conference just last week. And, you know, people food is medicine is everywhere. You're seeing it all over the you know, the airwaves now. But that really captured what I wanted dietitians to, how I wanted to attract dietitians to come to this. It was a, it was sort of a tie between food is medicine and the future of food. So I think I combined them both. The name of the tour was food is medicine, a regenerative farm tour for RDs and health influencers. And so, um, you know, they The basics of the tour, of course, they were going to tour the fish facility first or, uh, you know, within the day and -hmm. then also tour the greenhouse so they could see. And the greenhouse is a couple of different things because there's the. the, There's a whole lot of background into, you know, it's not just like, oh, randomly, we're going to grow any kind of lettuce. No, there's specific. We had our. um lead horticulturist speak. And we had uh, Steve, our chief science officer, speak about what was happening in the the fish house. So you're prepared, once you go in and see this, what what you're going to be looking for. And we set it up sort of like a Jeopardy, like Q&A, um, so that we asked, you know, when you had to think, what would the answer be? And then it was presented. Um, I'm really into nutrition education and, and how to get people interested. Um that comes from my public health background. Um, and then after we did that, um we of course were going to eat the food that you just saw growing in the greenhouses. And so we um we did initially set it up that we were going to have the dietitians uh make their own salmon burgers. But after touring for like two and a half hours.
0: Nobody wanted to do that.
1: Yeah, we were not in the mood to, you know, cook. <laughs> like most people that go to work for, you know, eight hours, they don't feel like coming home. But uh, yeah, so after that, so we had, we sampled the food. Um, everybody got to have, well, we fed people lunch. Um, it just happened to be our salmon um, burgers uh, and leafy greens. We we had, a, you know, all these different salads to try, salad blends. And then in the afternoon, we really focused on the regenerative farm aspect because it's over 300 acres of farmland uh, that they are restoring to its natural state. So, you know, when they um, there, there is a little bit of waste that's produced when you're uh, harvesting fish and um, feed and um, waste. And they recycle all of that and use it as fertilizer. And then any of the water that pretty much, like none of the water is wasted. It's either used, it's recycled or then it's used to irrigate this land. And this is, again, like a utopian regenerative farm in that they have beehives. And while I was out on the little four wheel, big four wheeler with with Brandon, um, we saw deer walking around. I mean it's just it is really in this utopian environment and during the tour they also have uh a an expert that's that knows how to plant different grasses and uh things flowers and different how how the property is set up to attract birds and butterflies and insects and and then there they have uh built man-made um, I don't know if lakes is the, is the right word to say, but they stock them with native fish. I caught, I caught a smallmouth bass while I was there on my first cast,
0: Nice, was a lot
1: of, a lot of fun. Like it was almost like, Oh, did they plan this? Did they, you know, put some sort of, you know, magical lure on this, uh, fishing reel? No. Um, so I caught a, I caught a, a fish out of the, the lake, which was amazing. And then, you know, everybody went out on the lake. I mean, we really were doing education the whole time. And plus, when you're in a room of 15 other dietitians, also part of the learning is being around your colleagues and your peers and learning. So we had a a dietitian, um, a sports dietitian from the University of Wisconsin. We had um, uh, one of the co-founders of um, Food and Planet Another dietitian amazing dietitian, so she gave some education on uh, sustainability and what they're doing um, to promote uh, lower trophic species, which is bivalves and um, and sea greens and then we had a, um, a dietitian from the food marketing Institute and then a bunch of dietitians from different retailers so it was like really a great mix it was really the perfect mix of dieticians cuz everybody of course we're all like into food and um Brandon's wife who's not a dietitian but like an amazing food person and and there's um I I don't even know how to describe Kylie who is really an admin to Brandon but she basically is a chef, a marketing expert, a digital person. It's like she does everything. Her and Jillian prepared the food for this day and they are just oh my gosh, like world-class catering duo there um so yeah it was just a fun day but it's it was in this idyllic setting um right right on their farm dietitians got again like the continuing education credits and we just had a great time
0: and uh, their plans in the works to hold this event again
1: well wisconsin the weather is not so predictable there (laughs) unlike arizona um so we have to pay attention to that i i wanted to host another tour this fall um but i guess they're already like worried about snow there so um so oh, there wow. there definitely will be another tour they they host retailers um and other people at the facility all the time um but uh to to have another group of dietitians will happen at some point um i had pitched sort of early november But um, again, I'd have to look at the Farmers' Almanac to see um, if snow is going to occur. But yeah, certainly plans for another tour in the near future.
0: Very cool. All right. Well, we are getting really close to our time, but I wanted to ask if anybody is interested in connecting with you, any of our listeners from any of our facilities or just they just want to pick your brain, what is the best way for people to get in contact with you?
1: Well, you can always go to my website to find my contact information, uh, which is marketrd.com. And my email is very simple. It's barb at marketrd.com. And also social media, you can connect with me. I'm on I, I spend time on Instagram and Twitter. Who's ever heard of Twitter? I mean, it doesn't mm-hmm. seem like a lot of people are on Twitter anymore, but my handle is at Barb Bruce. My last name is spelled R-U-H-S R so it's at Barb Bruce, R D. Um that those are my handles on on Instagram and Twitter. And um happy to talk to any anybody about any of this stuff. This is all Really stuff I'm very passionate about.
0: Yeah, it's great. The nutritional aspect of seafood is not something that we talk, we don't talk enough about on this show. And uh, we're, we'd like to get a little bit more into that. So I'm sure we'll be speaking with you again at some point, but I really appreciate you reaching out to us. One last note. Is there anything else that you want to get out there before we finish up?
1: I just encourage people to check out superiorfresh.com. They're doing really incredible things on a shoestring at this point and just really high quality products they their distribution is is pretty vast at this point. You can also order their products directly on their website uh but if you're in the midwest uh certainly there's a lot of retailers um, coborn's hy v uh mariano's roundies um Whole Foods, uh, it will be, I think they're already carrying our products. Um, and not only in the fresh case, so, you know, you can find the fillets in, in many different grocery stores, but we also just launched a frozen line as well. So we have frozen fillets and, and burgers. And the thing I didn't really mention, which unfortunately we're out of time is that the way that they're raising the salmon is, has two times the omega threes of, of other farm salmon. So It really is a unique product and um, something you got to check out.
0: Fantastic. Well, Barb, I really appreciate you coming on the show today and sharing this, all of this stuff with us. There's a lot to talk about. There's a lot more to talk about, and I'm sure we'll have you on again. But thank you so much for joining us, and we'll talk to you soon.
1: Thanks so much, Sean. Such a pleasure.
0: Folks, that was my conversation with Barbara Ruse. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you learned something. I just wanna send her a big thank you for coming on the show and talking about food as medicine. This was a really interesting conversation and I'm excited to talk with her again on the show. Remember, if you wanna contact her, you can check out all of the links in our show notes for her website and the different ways that you can find her on social media. If you wanna contact us, You can find us on Twitter. We are at AquademiaPod. You can email us, podcast at globalseafood.org or fill out the contact form at globalseafood.org slash podcast. Remember to subscribe to Aquademia wherever you listen so you can get all new episodes directly downloaded onto your device as soon as they're available. And remember to leave us a rating and review. It really helps us out. and We appreciate everybody that's done that. Lastly, if you like what we do and you want to be more involved, you might want to consider becoming a member of GSA. You can find all the information about that at globalseafood.org slash membership. That link is also in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening and we will talk to you next time.